everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the HR evolution or revolution, no matter what way you look at it. Um, this is one of my favorite conversations that we have with a few of the uh, hosts, co-hosts of the show. We got Jonna, we got Chris Derone, we got Jonna Wright. Um, and uh, we like to get together and kind of just uh, say what's on our minds together, right? What are we seeing? What are we reading? What are we doing? What are we hearing? Um, all the fun things as it relates to HR and really just the, the future of people um, and business. So uh, we figured we would take uh, the, the team or the, the, the through an exercise all about performance. I think a lot more questions are coming as uh, the cost of human capital continues to increase. Organizations now see that they need to get their arms around performance, um, understanding it, right? Uh, and we see the power of it being boiled down to the individual because uh, then the in individual has more accountability and ownership of their performance um, and ability to, to correct or um, disengage potentially. So this is not going to be a show about quiet quitting. Um, this is going to be a show about performance um, and really driving human capital, um, HR, people, whatever word we want to put into it, um, the future of business um, and, and how do we move forward in a logical way um, and, and, and not just an emotional way. So uh, Chris, I wanted you to kind of start uh, us off with what is performance management and how have you kind of seen it evolve um, yourself in, in this juncture this time? Yeah, that's a great question, Kevin. Thanks for having uh, the session today. Happy to be a part of it. Jonna, great to see you again great and to, to talk you. with you as well, too. Uh, and I think performance management is something that, you know, regardless of where you are in your organization's, you know, maturity, uh, it's probably something that you've been wrestling with on and off over the course of the last, uh, you put a number in, you know, number of years. And uh, there's pros and cons to every approach. There's pros and cons to every process. And at the end of the day, I think, Kevin, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's about helping each individual in the organization understand how what they do every day helps contribute to the overarching success of the organization. Now, how do you do that? That's the hard part, right? How do you keep those individuals informed? How do you keep them engaged? How do you keep them connected and challenged? And, you know, and, and so that they do know how what they're doing really does help the overarching organization, you know, be able to do as you move forward. Or do they understand what the, the priorities are? Do they understand what the, the goals are for whatever part of the organization that they are a part of? Uh, and I think that there's a there's a lot of things that we can unpack there of why it makes it difficult to do. You know, we attach things like compensation to it. We we put a lot of ownership into the hands of managers to be able to have the the types of conversations with their people so that they understand what is expected of them. And there there are some times where that you know fails and and you know things fall through the cracks when we look at it that way. So I think it's. You know, for, for us in HR, HR practitioners, organizational development, talent management, it's kind of the, you know, the area that we'd love to get to. We'd love to figure out how to do it right for each of us, because I think it is different depending on how your organization is set up and structured. Um, but that's really kind of the, the, the goal is how do we get yeah. to that point where we feel I've, like we're I've, actually doing it well. I've heard things like check of the box exercise, you sure. know, um, I don't know what they get. Once, out of once a year event, you know, that right. we get nothing out of it. Right. Yeah. John, um, what, have, what have you seen as performance? Cause I mean, you came from obviously the educational background, right? You, yeah. you have to see a little bit different from a performance <laughs> perspective. But then yeah, you made that transition. So kind of that's a that's a wild one to think about because where I left off in education, I mean that was new set of standards. Teachers were being evaluated 
did right. more frequently. It had to end up being three times a year. I don't know where it is now, but then I moved into a system where we went from two times a year to putting a tool in place where we had monthly conversations. Cool. So they were called months, uh, they were called conversations for growth at first. And then we call them conversations for engagement. We took rating uh, ratings off of performance, which was amazing. But I look at look back and I mean, we were a pretty yeah. progressive organization doing something like that. And then we did so much training around um, how to give feedback, how to receive feedback. And really that monthly conversation, we used a system where we had to train people too when performance was off the rails, how to document that within that yeah. system, because it wasn't of off the shelf performance management here's how it goes and chris to your point of of the one time a year event you know how many times do we run into you know we want to we want to pip we want to terminate this person we want to and i go to my lawyer brain i'm not one i don't play one on tv but the first questions does the employee know uh, is it documented? And what are their past three to five years of performance, exactly. performance look like? And okay. you go back to those performance reviews for the past three to five, and they were miracle workers. And now all of a sudden something happened, and maybe it was a change in manager, uh, life-changing event for the manager. And it, performance, I feel like, sometimes ends up being about the manager and not about the employee. Yeah. So we moved to a very progressive approach, I felt like, to a monthly um, cadence of having those conversations. And it was really important. However, I worked with engineering type and they still wanted a number on things. So exactly we had to right. figure out how to give them a matrix and imagine a number in their head. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's deflating and so much bias. You know, Kevin, you mentioned um, performance and, and comp and, and you can't really separate the two. Um, but you know, recency bias or halo effect or whatever the opposite of halo effect is, you know, somebody did something crappy recently and then per, you know, merit reviews come, bonus comes and, and all of a sudden they get downgraded based on one person's opinion. 10 years ago, I worked in a law firm and we did 360s. So everyone got a 360 and bonus was based on a, a lot of people's input. And, and data, of course, and performance at the same time, but it was really also that that input from others and, you know, how your performance was too, and a self-reflection. Yeah, well, I think the self-reflection is really important. I think we all touched, uh, Chris and Johnny, you guys both kind of touched on, Chris, I, I was just sharing last week, taking the transactional, making it transformational, right, is really yeah. what we're talking about with this performance, right, is that we get into the work, right? It feels like work. Until we understand what is it going to, right? What's the scoreboard exactly. today? Exactly. We're very competitive by nature, right? Any time that we show leaders lists or um, just like shout outs, that 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 rewards and recognition is the conversations that I've had as businesses are failing to recognize some of the low hanging fruit that is free. And a lot of it is just more gratitude, right? Yeah. And spotlighting and showcasing and sharing really that positive feedback from the field and the end, end of the line customer, right? This is their feedback to talk about the quality of the product, what it means to them, that they know that they always have the confidence to put in this screw, right? How much that matters, right? To really see the end of the product. And we've seen it time and time again through focus groups and conversations with employees that 
that's really what they want most, yeah. um, especially in the nonprofit space. They, 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 they know they're not there to make money. They're there to make a difference. And here yeah. they are not even getting a lot of that feedback back from the community. Exactly. Yeah. They're hearing it on their own. Um, but one of the things I wanted to get back to is really the performance piece, Chris, and I think you and John have both touched on it, was the manager piece, right? The, the inherent bias that comes in with a process like this, right? Um, a lot of emotions come into a process like this, especially yeah. once it's once a year. I'll never forget the quote. I think it's what Maya Angelo that says people will never forget how you made them um uh they look. won't forget remember they won't forget what you said or did they'll remember right. how you made them feel, feel my exactly. <laughs> one of my favorite quotes as well and that is why it is so asinine to believe that the performance review once a year would ever even make sense right yeah, right it's a very emotional state and you could probably go back and look at and you say this this was a good day this was a bad day this was a good day this was a bad yeah, just yeah. based off their comments and the words that they use the positive and negative words i'm i'm, I'm confident <laughs> that you could do that how do you get managers to care about this because that's one of the roadblocks that all hr practitioners they feel like it's pulling teeth right they constantly have to go back to these managers how do you get managers engaged within the performance review process chris um, that's the challenge, isn't it? Right. And you can look at value systems, you know, culture that you have, you want your managers to role model the behaviors of your organization. Um, so that's some ways that we look at it, you know, managers need to, uh, you know, develop their people, give them feedback to help them grow. And, and you really need people who, quite frankly, give a shit, who are in those roles to do it. And you've seen, I've seen, Johnny, you've seen great managers who truly care about their people, right? And, and these types of conversations almost come natural to them, which is, which is amazing. It's great. And they're like, you know, monthly we're, I'm having daily talks with my people to tell them how they're doing. Right. Uh, and then we know that we've got managers who will probably, you know, that's just not part of who they are. It's not part of their DNA. So the question is, how do we train them? How do we Try to make them at least aware of the biases that are that are inherent. I mean, you've all had managers, I'm sure, too, who I'm a hard grader, right? You, you've always had the hard grader where you could never get. I never give out 10. Yeah. Never get out of 10. <laughs> and again, it's those are those points of failure that make a performance management process, you know, not effective. You've got these types of egos that are driving it. So it's it's really about helping the managers understand you know, here's why we're doing this. Here's what your role is. Here's your responsibility. Here's what we're expecting of you, you know, tying the manager's um, role and, and expectation to their overall performance as well, too. I've seen, John, you mentioned it off, off camera, but you've, you know, you've had that as part of the manager's goals and yearly, yearly accountabilities as well, too. I mean, if we can build that in and let them know, hey, this is what we're expecting of you, great. Uh, and then we're going to help you. We're going to train you. We're going to give you tools on how to do it you know, maybe not great, but do it, you know, in a decent fashion. Fantastic. That's what we want to get to. Chris, I think you, you, you just, it, it has to be part of the measurement of a manager and in too many times we've all experienced it. And, and maybe I said this earlier too, but too many times, you know, people aspire to be a supervisor, manager, director, because they want title and comp. And that's very ego driven. And I think that people need to learn 
what it takes. Um, I worked with a VP of HR and she, or uh, of talent, and she and I always joked, so you think you want to be an effing manager, we are going to put it on. <laughs> um, you know, what it takes, and in too many times, it's probably my biggest HR pet peeve is somebody does some miraculous thing as an individual contributor, let's make them a manager. And then they disengage themselves and they disengage others quickly because they don't know what to do. And that's why I think, you know, this is an earlier conversation, Chris, I feel like way back when, you know, we need those leadership 101, 201s to get people ready. And a lot of that is self-awareness. I, I just feel like training up in self-awareness, bias, understanding, everyone's got bias. It's okay. Sure. It's your yeah. lived experience, but knowing when you use it. And I've caught myself saying, oh, she might not want to apply for that job because she's got three kids at home. Exactly. Who am I to judge that? Yeah. And I'm a mom. <laughs> so how <laughs> dare I do something like that? But it's the story we write in our head. And sure. I, Chris, you just nailed it. It is training up managers and Kevin to go back to like how, why. I mean, I think it's just really putting data in front of them and whether it's Gallup or, you know, whoever is helping to provide some of that data, reading some HBR articles around, you know, again, it, a lot of uh, the quiet quitting, <laughs> a lot of quiet quitting. Oh, AKA I got a lot of calls for that. Yes. Disengagement. <laughs> We've known about exactly. that for years, yeah. but a lot of that disengagement, we all know it is caused by a manager. We've lived it. We've had it. We've, yeah. we've had somebody in our life that has caused it. Um, and you can either rise above it and learn a different skill set, or you disengage and resign. I think with them too, it's still, just like everybody, right? We're still saying to the employees, you can't tell employees, you got to show them, right? And and show them why, right? And and I think managers need just that same level of engagement right. as well, right? Show them why they should care, right? Because in most cases, they don't see what's eating into their mental health and their, their, their burnout, right? It's probably their lack or their inability to lead those individuals. Right. And that is leading to their frustration, which is making them burnt out and disengaged in their role as well. Yeah. Um, I don't think organizationally we're doing enough to all of your points to properly prepare somebody for that responsibility of leadership, right? And, and dubbing it as a true responsibility. Um, we all wanted the title because of the race. Nobody really wanted the title. They just wanted the race, right? Um, and, and, and that's what I think people are starting to, to weigh, right? I think you're starting to see um, because we've, had such poor performance, right? Is this, is this the company's inability to truly track performance, right? Because we've only looked at performance one way and value, right? right? How much money are you bringing in? How, what's that value, right? Not yeah. seeing the multi-dimensional, because I've seen it in sales, right? You're a great salesperson. You're a great sales manager. Yeah. That couldn't that be further from the truth. Yeah. And I've seen that live out time and time and time again. Yeah. But yet, some they can't prioritize it. They haven't. They haven't done anything about it. They just continue to ride that carousel, right? Um, and I think it's a true inability for them to really understand what it takes to be a leader within their unique organization. And John, you and I, and Chris have all met Dr. Nick Molinaro. That's why that made so much sense to me, because yeah. not everybody has no, it. Right. Not everybody no. has the potential to be a leadership of individuals. They could be right. a leadership of a project. Yeah. Sure. Um, but it's that it's more, it's a total lack of understanding. And it's this whitewash, broad brush stroke, whatever we want to say, 
that everybody's the same. <laughs> Kevin, I agree with you. And, and I think when people think about career growth, you know, and, and we're working on some of these things too, you know, it's like this straight up vertical and we're working on like, it's, it's a tree. I mean, yeah. in different stages of your life, you know, a sales manager, you might be remarkable and drive home results like crazy, but A, you don't know how to manage people, but then you have a life interruption that causes you to want to go a different route. So yeah. it is coming up with possibilities and it's not linear sequential anymore it's not you know these five positions to become the ceo and and i think emotional intelligence has to go into it i think there have to be 360s along the way and that's where leadership 101 201 301 at that 201 level you better start getting feedback from followers because otherwise i said it earlier that email is going to go out and people are going to look at it and go no way no way because you got to inspire people. Yeah. Well, so and I then think they that's feel where... like you're disconnected, right? If it's, it's yeah. the wrong person, right? And, yeah. and I've seen a lot of those reactions, right? We've seen them. And it's like, you... oh, it's deflating, right? Because you, you they, that also us, makes God. them feel like, wait a minute, <laughs> that's totally off. They must yeah. not care or must not not realize. I don't know. Um, I, I, I think so that's, a, a couple... that's a very yeah. important point. There's yeah, a couple Chris, of things there. There's a couple of things there that that really stood out. You know, does your organization know what is a leader look like? What are the what are the expectations? Have yeah, we outlined Chris. it? A lot of organizations don't do it, right? We just assume, oh, you're going to be the manager. You know what to do, and we don't really specify. This is what a manager. This is what a leader looks like at X, right? Our company. Um, and the other thing is, those individuals are going. You know, they're living their day to day, right? They're doing their own work. I think that's where we as HR people can provide a ton of values to help them understand, you know, these are the types of things. Yeah, those competencies were really important when you were a sales person, right? Now, as you're shifting, you're transitioning, let's look at these other really important qualities and characteristics that we need to draw out and let us help you with that. Um, Because again, I just, it's not their wheelhouse. It's not their expertise. And they're so focused on, you know, going hundred miles an hour, doing what they do every day, right? It's not right or wrong. It's just, I don't know if we've taken the time to really spell it out. And well, it's, and it's also like taking the time and helping them identify those, right? It's, yeah. it's the identification of, yes, I'm all about strengths, but I'm learning more and more that people want to identify their weaknesses and be more yeah. in tune with their weaknesses and help to improve those as at the same time, improving their strengths. But I think you and you really touched on it, Chris, is that we have been told things for so long that it's almost written into code into our own head. Right. And, and now we're trying to evolve and adapt. You're trying to tell these new sales professionals, what even emotional intelligence is to them. Right. I think some of the top salespeople are probably some of the most emotionally intelligent people out there. Right. (laughs) And here we are now looking for those skills and those characteristics now in leadership and management and other divisions it's amazing to me, right? It's also amazing that we talk about emotional intelligence and we still aren't promoting females because they're naturally, what? <laughs> emotionally intelligent. <laughs> it, I thought I saw Kevin O'Leary said that all his top investments, 73% of them were female CEOs. And I was just like, yep, been yep. saying that forever. I mean, that's a, it's what, what leadership is calling for today. But Kevin, in all seriousness though, that is 
internal feedback to a male say, you know, I, I've heard it over and over again, you know, a, a white male over a certain age is no longer important. Well, that's an ego hit right there. And sorry you feel that way, yeah. but how can we lean into the discomfort of, of having others help? And I think, you know, to go back to Nick Molinaro, we're at an all-time high of knowing so much about brain development and emotional yeah. intelligence and psychological safety. But if you don't want to lean into that, hey, your organization is never going to get better. Right. So let's lean into it. Let's figure it out. Let's be curious about it. And it's okay to have diverse teams. You know, that's a whole different topic, but different than my voice, you know, different than my world. Exactly. And I think that there's just so much, you know, behind that. And that's, again, a whole other topic, a whole other session and day. Um, I but I love it. Because the, the same people that complain right about ageism are, don't see yeah. diversity, right? This is, this is, yeah. It's just, yeah. it is, you got to call it to light, right? And then you can show them, right? If that's your yeah. opinion, which it could be, right? You may well, be right. It's also, again, if it, if if somebody's sitting there and saying, "Oh, that doesn't feel right to me," you know, like I can't have females or whoever helping to lead the organization. Let's go to the five whys about that. Yeah, let's exactly. dig into that a little bit. But somebody has to be self aware enough to want to do that work, okay. also that self reflection work. So anyway, right. an aside. Yeah, no, I think it's great. And I think it touches on kind of the, the bonus and compensation tied to performance, right? And how we motivate these individuals. We're hearing about values-based performance reviews now, right? And, and, and starting to guide and how are you living up to these, these values of the organization? Because I think that's some other general feedback from, from surveys, from focus groups, from performance reviews, is that it's not a... It, it doesn't seem like senior leadership cares, right? <laughs> it seems like it's it's for everybody else and the senior leadership team is not really involved. They don't have purview to it. Um, therefore, it's not important to them or or maybe it's just not an important ex not exercise to the entire organization. So I think that's an important point. Um, but John, I know you were kind of talking before and, and Chris, you mentioned it too, until we start to, to change how we potentially bonus and compensate some managers to get them thinking um, a little bit differently or reprioritizing some of those things that we value as an organization that we know is important to our performance. Um, John, you talked about changing that model, right? And, and potentially helping them to choose values and maybe retention or things like that, that weren't really considered to be compensated or bonused off previously. Yeah, Kevin and, and Chris mentioned it a little bit too before, maybe it was before we went live, but I think it's, it's what gets measured gets done and are we measuring the right things? And I, you said it also, like, are we only thinking about performance management and comp one way? And, and I've lived in some systems, again, at the time didn't seem very progressive, but we're very progressive. And in going back to measuring a manager against values, measuring a manager against our belief system, then came goals. And, and it was very purposeful in that hierarchy too, you know, what we wanted to see out of a manager and their own self-reflection as well. So it wasn't driven toward bottom line, performance, EBITDA, whatever it is, those metrics. It was, you know, the whole culture because we really took that approach where that's 
we wanted to send the message of what's important. Um, and I think, you know, Chris said it earlier, we're, we're not thinking differently. We're doing the same stuff, rinse, repeat, just, you know, call it something different or get a different app in or a system or something like that. And I think it really does go back to what are we measuring and having those conversations. Um, you know, we've done a lot, you know, obviously post 2020, we've seen a lot of demand for increases, a lot of demand for, you know, 30% of what somebody got paid 10 years ago, you know, eight years ago, five years ago. Um, and I think we also have to look at that too, because what we've taken the stance on is we'd rather give an increase of however much to keep and retain our talent than to send that talent out the door. And I mean, I'm overstating the obvious than to try to bring somebody new in and train them all up. Yeah. I mean, where I am right now in the industry, I am right now to train somebody up and all the technology systems and you know what they use for production on a daily basis, that takes time. That yeah. takes a lot of time. Um, so I think that it is really rethinking uh, internal um, development. Um, and, and I think, you know, to go back to our <laughs> conversation around engagement, that's what people want <laughs> to spend some time on me, to think of me. We, you know, I, I've been in organizations where we said, tell people you're talking about them. Mm -hmm. yeah. that's important <laughs> you know if we're talking about high potentials what is a high potential Chris to your point of what's a leader yeah. what's a high potential did we define that and are we measuring against that and are we telling people hey we see you as a high potential is it a life sentence no because you can derail yourself sure. yeah. um, but let's talk let's talk about you and let's talk it's gotta about come with action though because yes. I, I will, I will oh. say it does have to come with action. Because oh. I think, I think, I think some organizations, some managers knew that they could dangle that carrot at the end of that stick, and they just had to say the right things to get you to believe. But then there oh, were yeah. really few action steps to follow. Right? Oh, absolutely. And, and, and then that's lived, when I got disengaged. Right? It's like okay, you see it, but there's no action. Right? I'm not getting development. I'm not. Exactly. Getting, I'm not. You're not paying for any of my. When there's a new open role, I'm not the one getting it. You're Correct. going somewhere else. To fill that role. Yeah. Correct. And I've lived in a system, Kevin, to that point where I, I worked with a VP at one point and I laughed and, and I told him, no way, you know, it, I guess to protect the innocent, I won't say his name, but you know, he told he told a high potential on his team, read a book, go to this seminar, and then you'll be this. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and within and come a back year, to me in 14 months. <laughs> within a year but again to go back to this is this premise of when that promotion came up on the screen first yeah. of all half of it wasn't under my watch so it yeah. happened but you know going what forward if, what if the what if the manager started getting spiffs for uh like a five thousand dollar bonus for internal promotions of their yeah. of their employees yeah sure. yeah yeah because i think there's also right the ego there's this inherent bias within that process that I yes. don't want to develop this person because they could make me look bad or they could oh, look better gosh. in this job. That's a whole right? different discussion in itself exactly. too. Exactly. But that's, great. that's an important hired... discussion to performance, right? Yeah, yeah. managers who hire B-level talent. <laughs> I think it's an important part, to, yeah. important part of the, the biases of the process because yeah. we've all been a part of that. I, I, yeah. I believe at this point of our career is that there's, some time of a point or another where you're giving an idea and then that person takes it and all of a sudden they're sharing it as theirs, right? Yeah. So that Kevin, is a part of performance in my opinion, because I think that there is that 
there is that ego. There is that. I I don't, I want my job. I want safety and security. So I'm not going to help develop them because, and I'm not going to share all the good things they're doing above my head because that's not me. (laughs) And and I think that's it. And it's training up and down in that respect, right? Because uh, whoever's above might be hearing a name over and over and go, wow, they're outperforming their own manager. So training above to let them know a manager should be operating through other people. And sometimes, you know, you get director level or whatever the stratification is in your organization and you're starting to influence and managing through other managers, but having that be understood. But I, I want to go back to an earlier point too of like, and what else does that come with? Because I think we're seeing still uh, comp increase, comp increase, comp increase, comp increase. Yeah. Okay, but with what added responsibility? And to me, it can be mentoring, teaching, uh, client facing, you know, increasing client facing something. So we're not just training employees to ask for an increase because if we do it without anything attached to it, that's what we're training people to do. Just ask for an increase, you'll get one. Do this, I did it last October. (laughs) Go get get a competitive offer. You have no intention of actually taking that offer and bring it back to us. And hiring hiring managers, well, they got this this job posting from this website. Great, can we see the job posting? Because I bet you it's not their same job. But John, if you ask that same hiring manager, why can't we hire people? It's our compensation, right? That is always, and I've told my father this when he shared that from other departments within the organization that he works at, at a hospital. What is it? Oh, it's compensation. It's always compensation when you can't lead, right? And you can't sell, right? Because it would be easier to sell your product if the customers were happy, right? Kevin, this brings us back full circle to what you were talking about at the beginning, ask your employees and don't wait until the exit interview. And we've had this discussion over and over, ask them now what keeps them and, you know, have that discussion of what would it take? Are you planning to leave? Some of these are Gallup's questions, the standard questions, but I think exactly what you were talking about in the beginning, it's focus groups and having some discussions with some people. It doesn't need to be some big formal process. Catch them for lunch, catch them for coffee, ask them, hey, what do you think about this? I am so big on end user experience and co-creation. Go ask somebody. You cannot sit in your office anymore. HR, if you are sitting in your office creating stuff on your own it's going to blow up (laughs) well not just not just that is uh and chris we we talked about it the other day is um just getting out and and reflecting right it's yes you can sit back behind your computer screen and stare at data all day at the the quantitative right but if you're not collecting on the qualitative to put it really put that into words right into emotions, right? Because from their words, you can pick up on how emotional that truly is and how much of a priority that should be because then it's like, oh, everybody's sharing the same thing. Okay, we might want to prioritize that a little bit differently, which would take time if you're only looking at the quantitative. You're right. Do you want to talk about how important it is that you have found throughout your career? And I think Jana has a story to share as well, potentially as to what it means to really go out and just strike up those random conversations with employees in sure. random departments with zero intention on the only intention is to learn right and listen and i think that that's probably the best thing you can do for yourself when you think about it i mean what is our job in hr it's to understand the business it's to help those individuals you know from a people standpoint 
And you're never going to learn, John, to your point, you're never going to learn that if you're sitting, you know, staring at your own computer and your own in your own office or your own wherever you might be. Um, and I think that it really goes a long way. You know, business leaders see that they see you being curious. They see you asking, excuse me, asking them questions about, you know, what what their priorities, what's important for them, what's keeping them up at night. And it really does a lot to establish yourself as, you know, that strategic business partner, that trusted partner that I think we're all trying to get to and we're all trying to be. Um, and to your point, you know, data, sure, I can look at the results of a survey all day long, but if I don't, you know, dig down a little deeper, it's never going to help. I, I do this in engagement all the time. We do our engagement surveys. We have our, our report that comes out with our score on it, but it's meaningless unless you dive down deeper and actually drill down to figure out what was driving those answers, those responses that your people were telling you, you know, let's get, let's peel the, the layers of the onion back to really understand what's going on here. And, you know, that's kind of my, my stock spiel is this is meaningless unless you do the work to get underneath it. Okay. Right. But all, I think, this, all this gives us is a lot of questions that haven't been answered. Right? And that's what I love best because I think people go into surveys expecting, I want one, two, three, four, yep. five. And I Just say, nope, you're going to learn one, two, three, four, and then you're going to go and find five, six, seven, eight. Exactly. Like, exactly. That literally is the process. You're, and that's why the survey game, I think, has been tarnished, right? Because employers yeah. have been sold this. Managers are sold this idea that this survey is going to tell me everything that I need to know, right? Right. So they survey their employees, they garner that feedback, they learn really nothing, maybe something, <laughs> right? Yeah. But they don't take any action. And then the next company comes in and says, hey, you got to use this survey. Our survey will tell you exactly what is on the <laughs> minds of your employees. Yeah. Okay, let's do it. And we do it again. And then we're wondering why response rates to our surveys are now at 28%. It's the same amount of percentage of probably your engaged population. Exactly, you're right. <laughs> People are tired of talking and no action is taken at all. But Chris, I think what you said is, and I want people to really take this away before I flip it over to John's experience, is that it's the best thing you can do as an HR professional. Because if you're sitting in your office, hearing no's, being kicked in the teeth, getting yelled at because somebody's paycheck is late or they don't have their PTO. <laughs> that is such a hard place to be right. constantly. And I think and that thrive. is why yeah. HR, if they're only in that tactical administrative and 80 plus percent of their time is in that role, it is very unfulfilling to most people sure. without seeing how it impacts the actual people and having those conversations to tie it all together and say, okay, this is why I do this. Yep, exactly. This is why I do this. So I love that point that you said, Chris, it, it really is more helpful to the individual that's in HR. Yeah. John, can you talk about kind of, I think you put it as uh, daily data walks. Ooh, I like that. Daily data walks. <laughs> this is not new stuff. Coming from manufacturing and looking back at my my place in education, like this is a great tool for educators to yeah. use as well. So I, I think that we went on a daily data walk. We went out to the shop floor. Um, HR had not been on that data walk before. I made it part of my daily routine. It was my standard leader work. Um, so it was a rare occasion. I missed it because it was every single day. Did it, you know, I, I was used to getting up early from being in education, but an HR person might roll their eyes and say seven o'clock in the morning. 
if it's important, you do it. Yeah. And I what what it instilled in me after I volunteered HR to become part of that daily data walk was we were on a two week every other week rotation. We shared out uh, safety as it related to our area. So how many people maybe hit, how many workman's comp cases, um, people, any people issues. I worked in manufacturing. So at that point, it was union grievances, those types of things. Delivery, quality, cost, and environment. Environment, we made engagement. Environment out on the shop floor was sustainability. What were they recycling? That type of thing. Every now and then we had a 5S event and cleaned out some drawers and recycled some things too. So we would report on that. But I think that outward facing, um, we opened ourselves to vulnerabilities. We asked people what data they wanted to see after we prototyped a couple things and threw them out. You know, the VP GM asked for certain things. I remember one year we were in the middle of a payroll implementation going from ADP to UKG and um, we missed a couple and the VP of commercial said, wait, where's your data? I use it. And I was like, wow, that was after being a year or two in the process. HR hated it at first. It was uncomfortable. We're doing it right now as a team. It is like, it'll cause storming in the team like crazy. We'll settle into it. This is our second month of reporting but it educates. So we have a mission and a vision in HR is to become a trusted advisor, but you can't become a trusted advisor if you're not sharing your craft. And so, you know, just the change status changes in payroll to give somebody that wild number a month. Oh, there's 128 status changes in a month for an organization of 500. That's a lot, but it also educates people as to what status changes are. <laughs> um, so they understand what is HR doing all day. Well, here's what we're doing. And it can report the tactical that doesn't matter. But the employee relations, Kevin, back to some things that you and Chris have talked about, those that engagement, why people leave, where they leave, start, start cutting it by per manager. Oh, we have this many resignations last week alone, five of them all from the same manager. There's something going on there, HR, and how are you helping? How are you being that trusted advisor? Yeah. So the daily data walk got us into a routine of reporting the data, and, and I am doing that here as well, and it's important. Um, and it's, it's, again, getting that feedback on asking leaders what they want to see to what's important to them. You know, we have people saying leaves are important because it impacts our manufacturing area. So if we have a leave that's predicted and we know it's coming, they can plan around it. HR is a, a champ by pro providing stuff like that. And that's easy. So uh, that's, that's a little bit around the daily data walk. Um, if I totally kill the name, I'll look it up and look at it. <laughs> no worries. The one I loved, uh, just I think you guys were both touching on as being present and available. I think is really, yeah. is really what it, it is all about, and, and and it's hard, right? Because a lot is being thrown at us daily. There's, we're in this very um, fire response kind of uh, reactionary Reactive. practice, right? So it's hard to get ahead, right? And people always say, well, that'd be nice. That's nice to have, but. I think we also talked earlier about the intentionality of what our true role is. And I would love to know what the intentionality is for, for every HR practitioner and professional out there. Um, and really reciting their intentionality of their role and their function every day, I think would really help them to refocus their attention, right? And start to block out time, um, Chris, to Olga's point the other day, really blocking it out on the calendar. 
Um, otherwise you're always going to find something to fill it. And I always oh say, you got to put a value on your time. Otherwise no one's going to put a value to it um, exactly. for you. So and Kevin, you the next you know, thing on your plate. <laughs> you've, you've always alluded to it. You've said it a couple of times. And I think that it's, it's a good time for human resources, people departments, whatever you're calling yourselves these days to ask, what is our mission? What is our vision? What are, what is our purpose on a daily basis? Cause if your purpose is to reset passwords and answer payroll questions, you know, you got to rethink, are you a trusted advisor? Because answering a password is not being a yeah. trusted advisor. Yeah. And I think I have a lot of conversations with HR professionals that are looking for that optimal role, right? They want to step into an environment that already has a favorable view on people mm -hmm. um, or HR. And I, it, there's, those are more, those are fewer and further between, right? Um, so a lot of it takes uh, to Chris's earlier points and what we've talked about over time is building really that credibility, those relationships. Mm -hmm. And really building their appetite towards data. Because I, I love the data uh, walks, right? You're going out, you're asking what data would be helpful. What I found more helpful and in, in, is really saying, what information don't you have that would be helpful to make you better, right? Yeah. Yeah. Over time, right? What what people-related questions do you have you always had but never been able to find the answer to, right? Because then as second you are partnering with them and co-creating that Whatever you find, good or bad, and if it comes out to be them, they're at least a part of that process and are fully sure. engaged and then accountable. And then you're really raising that appetite, I, I think, of data because it's data literacy. But then Chris and John, you and I have had several talks, and I think Greg was one of the gentlemen that was talking about it, is you, it's almost like crack, right? You got to give them a little, get them really excited, solve one of their problems, and then they'll keep coming back for more and more and more and more and more. Um, but a lot of businesses aren't there yet because they're going through an evolution themselves, right. realizing that financials are not the only thing that predicts and helps support performance over time. Right. Um, so they're going through that journey in and of itself. So fascinating conversation today. I really, really loved it. I, I'm yeah. so glad that we talked about performance, Chris. Uh, that I'm glad that you brought that up because it is top of mind. Uh, I think a lot of people are just frustrated. I think people are frustrated yeah. with what does this mean? And the managers thinks it's a check of the box exercise. But I think hearing both of you talk today, um, it doesn't have to be, right? It could be a really rewarding experience for both parties if, if we're setting it up and developing and training appropriately. Um, it's it, maybe we need a new name for performance reviews, like just like we needed a new name for engagement, like quiet quitting to just reprioritize it for people. That's a good so point. maybe maybe that could be it. Um, I can't say the answer, but I think touching on some of the ways that you guys discussed about comp compensation and what's what are yeah. they held accountable to above them um, to then start to really prioritize this as as a key function to their role as a leader, um, not just the manager of the work. So. Um, thank you, Chris. Thank you, John, for spending some time together. I thought this was a fascinating conversation and uh, really appreciate your insights as always. Always thank is. You. Great way to start the week, you guys. Yeah, awesome. <laughs>